Hey everybody, welcome back to the show. How are you guys? I hope you're doing well. So at the time of this recording, Joe is not home yet, but he will be by the time that the recording goes live. So today I just wanted to chat with you guys um, about something that was on my heart because Joe is actually not home right now. So it made me think of this topic and I thought, you know, a lot of people probably feel the same way, um, especially if you're a military service member or the spouse of a military service member. This comes up a lot. So let's talk about marriage and how absence makes the heart grow fonder. My name is Tina and I am the creator of the blog and YouTube channel, Blessed and Beautiful Homestead. Welcome to my podcast. I love to share from scratch recipes, homeschool life inspiration, our homesteading journey, and just all things life with you. This is a space where we are going to get down and dirty, raw and unfiltered about motherhood, marriage, our culture, and our spiritual pursuit as believers. Thank you for joining me today. I am so glad you're here. And my hope is that I can be a blessing to you. So as you guys know, Joe and I are a military couple. We have been in the military our entire marriage. Um, As soon as we got married straight out of high school, we joined the Army and then the Coast Guard. And we are still in the Coast Guard today. So I say we've done many bouts of separation. Um, Lots of deployments, lots of underway time uh, when he was on a cutter in the Coast Guard, which is a boat for those of you that might not know that term. Um, So we've, we've spent a lot of time separated, you guys. I mean, I remember when I joined the Army, I think I was 18 years old at that time. And... I went off to boot camp and uh, AIT. So, you know, boot camp, obviously most people know what boot camp is. AIT is basically once you graduate boot camp, you go off to school for your specialty or for your MOS. Um, And I was supposed to be gone for a total of four months. I was supposed to be gone for two months with boot camp and then two months for AIT. Well, what ended up happening was I was supposed to go to um, Fort Jackson, South Carolina for boot camp. And I got there. You guys, they shipped me all the way to Fort Jackson, South Carolina. And it turns out that there was more uh, soldiers than there was drill sergeants. So what was happening was they were putting all of us that were extras on hold. And we essentially sat there in South Carolina for two months doing absolutely nothing that had to do with boot camp, just waiting for our turn to start boot camp. So talk about frustrating, right? Like it was already scary leaving home and going off to boot camp at 18 years old um, and leaving everything I knew. But to have that goalpost continue to be moved, like you have that date in your mind of when you get to return home. And you guys, when you're in that environment, even though you're not technically in boot camp yet, you're being treated as if you are in boot camp. So going to the chow hall three times a day, marching here, marching there, getting smoked by the drill sergeants all day long, shining our boots, cleaning. I mean, it was essentially boot camp. It just wasn't counting as boot camp. So believe me when I tell you guys that it sucked, okay? For lack of a better word, it sucked. 
Um, I sat in South Carolina, uh, sweating my butt off in the heat of the summer for two months as a holdover. Um, then they decided, you know, we have too many soldiers here. So we are going to gather up a bunch of them and ship them over to a different state, to a different facility that can start their boot camp class. So they put us all on a plane and we went from South Carolina to Oklahoma. So I did my army boot camp in Fort Seal, Oklahoma. And what's interesting about this, you guys, is Fort Seal at the time was an was only a male boot camp. So they didn't they never had females go through uh, their boot camp yet. We were the first class of females to go through Fort Sill, Oklahoma. And if you guys could imagine, there's a little bit of a paradigm shift, uh, I guess you could call it. So male boot camp tends to be a lot harder, tends to be, you know, I don't know what it is. I don't know if drill sergeants are a little bit more um, apt to play on the emotional side with females or be a little bit more lenient. I don't know. All I know is I was told before shipping out to boot camp that Fort Jackson, South Carolina was kind of known as like a cakewalk as far as boot camp. So I'm like, hey, I'm all right with that, whatever. Well, then lo and behold, I ended up not doing boot camp there. They shipped me to Fort Seal and it was a rough road, you guys. Like it was for real boot camp. So I did my boot camp in Fort Seal, Oklahoma. And then after I graduated boot camp, I was shipped to Alabama for my AIT school. Um, for my specialty. So I ended up being gone for six months total when it was only supposed to be four months. And that was a really big separation for Joe and I. So when we first got married, Joe went off to boot camp first in the army and he was gone for four months. He, four or five months, he did boot camp and then AIT. Um, and then he came home and um, then I left and went to boot camp and AIT. So our first um, I would say our first year and a half of being married, we were separated like a lot because of joining the service. So that was definitely challenging. A lot of letters were written. Um, you know, I was so young back then. I remember spraying perfume on the envelopes and finding out later that that got him in trouble because he said the drill sergeants would smell the envelopes. And if they had perfume on them, the guys were made to do push-ups. <laughs> So poor Joe. Um, but we've done a lot of separations, you guys. And when uh, we got out of the army the first time, I told you guys this in my very first episode on this podcast that we did our first tour in the army and then decided to get out and try the civilian life. And it just didn't work out for us. And we ended up going back in um, while well, Joe did for another tour. And then we got stationed up in Fort Wainwright, Alaska. Our first summer, you guys, Joe got orders to be deployed to Iraq. And I just remember feeling devastated. Here we were, not just in a new state, but we were in Alaska, okay? In Fairbanks, Alaska, which is up in like central Alaska. It's very cold. I saw it get up to negative 55 degrees when we lived there. Um, it's dark most of the year. You really only get two or three months of daylight. Um, and even that daylight isn't like the sunshine that I'm used to in California or Arizona where we grew up, right? It's kind of like an overcast, uh, gloomy daylight. So 
it was cold and it was dreary and I was very lonely and I was just devastated. It was our first summer up there and we were excited to go hiking and go do all these things. And here Joe got orders to go to Iraq. Um, I was so scared. You guys, Lexi was probably two and a half to three years old. And thankfully at the time I was kind of doing the stay at home mom thing because I had already gotten out of the army. Um, and I was actually selling Mary Kay cosmetics. I became a sales director with Mary Kay up in Alaska, y'all. Okay. Um, I got the free car and everything. So that was really cool. Um, somebody told me, if you can get women in Alaska to buy makeup, you're good at what you do. <laughs> and I guess I was, you know, I was successful at it. And But what was cool is it allowed me to be home with Lexi, uh, you know, full time and work my business around her while Joe was gone in Iraq. But I do remember lots of letters and I remember missing him so much. And uh, they did allow him to come home in the middle of that deployment for R&R. Um, and I can't remember what R&R stands for. I think it's rest and relaxation. They let the guys come home. I think it was two weeks. Um, and I just remember being so excited to pick him up from the airport. And we had an amazing two weeks. It ended up being in the summertime in Alaska, which was kind of cool because you got like the 24 hours of daylight and we got to grill on the back porch and really have some fun with Lexi and go hiking and stuff. But I remember when it was time for him to leave again. And it was so bad, you guys, that I had, I almost wish that he just hadn't come home. Does that make sense? Like, can any of you relate to that? Um, it may come across weird for somebody that hasn't done any separations from their spouse or, or isn't, hasn't experienced the military life. But as a mom or even a husband, I guess, if your wife is the one getting deployed and, and taken from your, your family, you kind of get in your routine, you get in your groove thing and you get in your flow and um, the way that you do things, the way that you, you raise the kids, the, you know, everything about it, your schedule is just kind of you. And then all of a sudden your spouse is just dumped back into your life at a moment's notice and you kind of have to readjust to everything and include them in that schedule and even tweak it because they have preferences preferences over what, you know, you're doing. and. Um, but the biggest thing was when I took him to the airport to go back to Iraq and I came home, his dirty clothes were in the, the laundry basket. His shoes were sitting by the front door. Um, it was just these things of Joe and I, I cried, you guys. I, and he was going to be gone for another six months. Like we had done six months. He got to come home for two weeks and then he was going to ship back out for another six months. And my heart just about couldn't take it. I, of course I did the, you know, I smelt his shirt and I just bawled in his shirt. And I remember sitting on the stairs in our little house because we lived in um, base housing. And Lexi at like three years old came and sat next to me and she says, mama, don't cry. And I just hugged my little baby and I just bawled my eyes out, you guys. I was so lonely and I was so scared. I was like, I don't know, 19, 20 years old or so. And I thought, man, here we go. I got to do a whole nother six months. And I've got to get over this emotional roller coaster of he's gone, now he's home, now he's gone. And it's just like, it's just a constant battle. We did a lot of separations with the military. Uh, when we joined the Coast Guard, Joe was on a cutter. 
and um, he was on a boat that did aids to navigation. So they would get underway for smaller stints of time. He was never gone for, you know, three to six months, thank God, but he was gone for one week here, three days there, three weeks here, one month there, um, or they would go to dry dock. And I think that was the longest uh, in the Coast Guard that we were separated. He was gone for like two months. And um, that was almost harder because we didn't have the big stretch of time for me to emotionally adjust to the separation. It was like, oh, he's here. Oh, he's gone. Oh, he's here. Oh, he's gone. <laughs> it was just so emotional. Um, and it's amazing how the kids are resilient and they just adapt to that and they they get used to it. You know, the military brats, right? That's what they do. So we did a lot of these uh, separations, overnight duty, um, things like that. And when we came to Virginia, Joe actually got a land billet and he has essentially been home for the last eight years. Like Monday through Friday, he goes into his job, whatever that is, um, and then he comes home in the evenings and the weekends. And we've gotten so blessed here that he doesn't even have overnight duty. So he's had like phone duty and things like that, but he's never had to do like overnight duty uh, like he did when he was on the boat in Alaska. So we've gotten very spoiled. We've gotten used to him being home. And a few weeks ago, Joe calls me from work and he's like, um, I have to go like tomorrow. Like I have less than 24 hours to pack my bags, um, book a plane ticket, and I've got to go. And I'm like, go? I'm like, go where? And he's like, they're deploying a bunch of us to Arizona to assist with the border crisis down there. So thanks. Thanks, Biden. We appreciate that. Um, so because of everything going on, Border Patrol, um, they are just running crazy down there, you guys, trying to maintain all of these immigrants. So the Coast Guard is being called to assist with some of that. And um, Joe, being a mechanic, that's what he is in the Coast Guard. He works on boats and engines. He's a mechanic. Um, he has been deployed in Arizona um, for almost a month working on the Border Patrol vehicles to fix them and make them mission capable so that the agents can go out and do their job. And I just was like, I was honestly um, kind of ticked off. I was like, what? We Less than 24 hours notice. Like we didn't anticipate this coming. Thank God we didn't plan a family vacation or anything because here we are, school's out, right? Um, we just finished third grade homeschool and this is when we go on vacations and do things. And I'm like, thank God we didn't book plane tickets or we didn't do anything. And I felt myself getting bitter about it. And then I thought, you know, Tina, stop. Like, this is what you do. Like, we are military. And just because we've gotten very comfortable and very relaxed in the last seven to eight years, he is still active duty for the next, you know, year and a half or so until he retires. And I just kind of tried to pray about it and change my mindset um, and say, okay, you know what, this is this is his job. Just because he's on a land billet, you know, the Coast Guard is a branch of military that can be called at any time to serve and assist wherever they're needed. So um, it definitely was an inconvenience, and um, but I felt myself getting a little pissy, and I had to kind of just calm myself down and be more supportive of Joe because he came home 
all sorts of like discombobulated. Like we're trying to do his laundry so we can pack his clothes. We're trying to get his plane ticket um, booked and all these things. And um, him being a man and being the man that he is, he starts thinking, oh, let me uh, disconnect the trailer from the truck in case you need it. Let me do this. Let me blah, blah, blah. And he's thinking of the homestead and the property and he's kind of running around trying to do all these things in less than 24 hours, you guys. So just absolutely insane. But I'm excited to say he comes home tonight, you guys. <laughs> so by the time this goes live tomorrow, Joe will be home and he comes in really late. He comes in at midnight and we are all staying up to greet him at the door. And it's so funny, you guys, because we get so into the groove of things, so into the groove of life. And it's really funny. I've, I've said this a lot in our marriage um, sometimes I'm in love with you and sometimes I'm just committed. <laughs> Doesn't that sound terrible? But if you have been married for any length of time, maybe you could, um, relate to that. Maybe that resonates with you. So, you know, and I say that knowing I'm always in love with Joe, right? But there are days y'all when I'm just like, you need to go outside and work and I'm gonna stay inside and do some canning because we need a little separation time. Um, married for almost 22 years, we just have those days where we're like on each other's nerves and we just need a little separation. Um, but we don't get that anymore because he's always home. So it's been really interesting with him being gone in Arizona. Um, it's really cool because now we have FaceTime, which is something when he was getting deployed in the Army and the Coast Guard at that time, we didn't have that feature. <laughs> I'm aging myself, right? Like we did not have the option to FaceTime each other. Um, so I remember clicking away on our little Blackberries most of the time when Joe was underway and would pull into port and, um, you know, Every number was like how many letters and it was just not as convenient as the iPhones and the, the devices that we have today. But it's been nice that we've been able to FaceTime Joe every night before bed. You know, they've got him. Um, they put the guys up in a hotel. So he's been staying in a hotel when he gets off work every day. But he comes in at midnight tonight and I'm so excited to wrap my arms around him. And I just want to smell him. <laughs> Doesn't that sound funny? I just want to bury my face in his neck and I just want to smell him. I miss him so much. And what's interesting too about this deployment, even though it, it was short, right? We've definitely done way worse than three weeks. Um, and he's here in the States. He's not in Iraq in danger. Um, he's here defending the home front. So it's much different. But what's interesting about this, you guys, is Joe left for Arizona right at the tail end of mine and Parker's school year. We literally had one week left of school when Joe had to fly out for this deployment. And the last two days of school, Parker was a handful. I mean to tell you, he was defiant, disrespectful, rude, rolling his eyes. Anytime I asked him to do something, it was, you know, slamming doors, just not Parker. Now, Parker gives me a run for my money. Okay, don't get me wrong. He is a good 
kid with a huge heart. But when I put Parker and Lexi side by side and I compare when Lexi was his age, Parker gives me a run for my money, y'all. I mean, that boy, he can make my blood boil to where I feel my vein pulsating in my neck, okay? Anybody with little boys out there, maybe you can relate. He gives me a run for my money, but these last couple days, it was extra bad. And one day in the middle of school, I couldn't take it anymore. It was slamming the pencil down. It was the sighing. It was the rolling of the eyes. It was the this and it was the that. And I was like, you know what? Go to your room. Go to your room and stay in your room until you can figure out how to be a decent human. Because what I'm not going to do is what we've been doing for the last two hours. Like you're not going to talk to me like that. So he went to his room and this is honestly the first time in his eight-year-old life that I did this. Normally, if Parker's bad, he gets something taken away from him, or he might get grounded for a day, or he might get sent to his room for, you know, 20, 30 minutes to think about what he did or whatever. But this time, you guys, it was like either you go sit in your room or I'm going to go to jail. <laughs> like, you got to go. Joe had just left, and here I am, you know, and on the spur of the moment, dealing with everything on my own, trying to get through the end of school, which, you know, if you're homeschooling, like tensions are already high. Everybody's kind of over it. You're ready for summer. And I'm like, you need to go, go sit in your room. And he sat there for three and a half hours. Now he had lunch. He was allowed to have water. So don't think I'm, you know, torturing my child, but I'm like, no, uh, you're going to sit in there. And he was, mom, can I, can I come out now? No, you may not go back to your room. Mom, nope, go back to your room. It was just like, he didn't know how to take that. He was like, oh my gosh, like, is she ever going to let me out of here? And finally, he, I let him out and I'm like, do you want to talk about what happened today? And he's like, not really. He's like, can we talk about it tonight before bed? Because Parker and I always have like these heart to hearts before bed. Um, when I tuck him in and we say prayers. A lot of times I end up sitting in the room with him for an additional 15, 20 minutes just talking about life. <laughs> um, and I said, okay, fine. When I tucked him into bed that night, I was like, Parker, what is going on with you? Like, what in the world is going on? Like, you are never like this. And I'm like, you know, I know you're done with school. I'm, I'm over it too. I'm ready for summer break. But sometimes you got to do what you don't want to do now so you can do what you want to do later. And I just kind of threw out examples. And I'm like, you know, do you think your dad likes going to work every day? No, he doesn't like going to work every day. But he knows he has to provide for his family and put food in the fridge and a roof over our heads. And he goes to work every day. And I was like, you know what? He goes to work with a good spirit and a good heart about it. He does not complain. He does not grumble. And I'm like, have you ever once heard your dad complain about going to work to support us? And Parker just started sobbing with tears. And I'm trying not to get emotional uh, talking about it, but he said, no, I've never seen him complain. And I said, there you go. We always talk about Colossians 3.23 and the Lord tells us to do everything heartily as if we're working for the Lord and not for men. So whether it's chores, whether it's our homeschool, whether it's dad going to work, we are to do it heartily as if we're working for the Lord. And um, we had a really good talk that night and he said, he said, you know what, mom, through his tears, he said, maybe we're both just a little bit stressed out because dad's not here. 
And I said, Parker, I'm actually okay. Like, I miss daddy. I would much prefer daddy be home. But mommy has done a lot of these um, deployments with dad because of our military life. So I'm okay. I'm not, I don't feel stressed out. I was like, Parker, are you stressed out? And in that moment, you guys, it hit me that Lexi has experienced all of these deployments and all of these separations her entire life. Parker has not. So Parker is eight years old right now, going on nine here in a few months. We've lived here in Virginia for eight years. And for eight years, Joe has had a land billet where he's been home Um, and worked a normal Monday through Friday type job. So Parker has literally never experienced separation from Joe. And I think for the first day, the second day, I think he was okay. And then when he started realizing that dad wasn't coming home, he starts acting out. And trust me when I say, I don't make excuses for my children because you are to be accountable for your actions. um, And we still don't act that way. But I did have to recognize the fact that For whatever reason in his mind, he was struggling with it and he didn't know how to deal with that. So the way he was dealing with it was by acting out. So we talked through that. We got through that. And he has since done better, um, especially because now we're on summer break. (laughs) Right. So he's much better now. But um, it's it's tough. It's definitely uh, hard and it's an adjustment every single time that Joe leaves. So I decided to um, surprise Joe with something and I did an Instagram live about it. So if you guys are following me on Instagram, then you know what I'm talking about. And if you're not following me on Instagram, go find me at Blessed and Beautiful Homestead. As you guys know, we have a one acre homestead and most of the time, all of our projects, everything we do, is for the homestead. It's building a new greenhouse for the garden or it's building a new animal shelter or My goodness, you guys, like the list goes on, right? But hardly ever do we get the opportunity to just do something that's a fun project, like something that's going to make the property prettier. Um, And about six months ago, Joe and I did do landscaping around the house. And for the life of me, you guys, I don't know what I was thinking because we've been raising chickens for many years and... The chickens destroyed the landscaping. I mean to tell you, we did the border. We did the weed barrier. We did the mulch. We put in these plants. Like, it looked so pretty. And the chickens just destroyed it. And then we got the sheep. And then it was really over with, right? So for months and months and months, you guys, every time we go outside with our coffee to walk through the garden or whatever, Joe's like, oh man, I really got to fix that landscaping. Oh man, it it just looks awful. Like he doesn't want to have people over for barbecues because it looks awful, right? It's like, really, who cares? But this is Joe's mind. This is how he works. He likes everything to look nice. And he'll go and tack down the weed barrier that's torn up by the chickens. And I'm like, Joe, what are you doing? Like, why are you bothering to do that? They're just going to mess it up again. I know, I know, but it just looks bad. And so it's something that it's like one of those brain stressors, right? Like it's stressing him out every time he sees it. And my goodness, you guys, sometimes when you have that brain stressor, you just got to get it done. Like make a list. I, I am imploring you guys, get a piece of paper. Go through your house and make a list of all of those things that are brain stressors, you know? 
When I come out of my bathroom on the outlet plate where the light switches, there was mud on the plate, probably from Parker at some point. And every time I walk out of my bathroom and I flip off the light switch, I see the mud on the outlet plate. I don't clean it off. I just walk out, right? It would take 10 seconds, but I don't. I just walk out. And every time I see it, it's like, oh, I need to clean that outlet plate. Just like a stressor, right? Today, y'all, I clean that outlet plate. <laughs> so it's those little things. It was um, washing the pillows, the decorative pillows on my bed. I always wash my bedding on a regular basis, but I don't always wash the decorative pillows at the same time. And these particular pillows, I don't wash them because I would have to iron them once they're done being dried because of the, the way that they are. And I'm like, oh, ain't nobody got time for that. The other day, you guys, I stripped those decorative pillows, washed and dried them, came in here, listened to my favorite podcast, and I ironed those pillows. Do you know how good that felt? Oh my goodness. I took all the curtains off my windows a few months back and washed all the curtains and ironed them and put them back up, washed all the windows inside and out. You guys, these are not things I do all the time, but they're things that are always on my brain causing me stress, right? So get it out of your brain, put it on a piece of paper, and start knocking it out. We do what we have to do now so we can do what we want later, right? So anyway, um, I knew Joe was going to be gone for a good chunk of time, and I thought, you know what? I am going to redo the landscaping. And Lexi has a friend and his dad is um, a gardener, a landscaper. He's got a little side business and he offered to come help me um, very cheap. Actually, he only charged me $175. And you guys, I felt guilty only paying him that. So I'm like, are you sure? Like, let's recap on what we agreed you would help me with because that doesn't seem like enough money for what you're going to do for me. And I, I went ahead and offered him 200 just because, I don't know, I felt guilty. So it was multiple things. It was um, putting down weed barrier around the house, in the garden walkways, and around the greenhouse, laying mulch, and then planting a ton of perennial plants and flowers. So to me, that was not worth $175. It was worth a lot more than that. But I went ahead and gave him $200 to try to, you know, make up for that a little bit. Anyway, he helped me and we did a phenomenal job. You guys, I cannot wait for Joe to get home. So he's not going to be able to see it tonight, right? Because he comes in at midnight. It's going to be dark outside. So I'm going to take him outside with a cup of coffee in the morning and show him what we did. The other thing we did is my brother came over, he had a, um, he has a livestock electric fence. He helped me fence off half of the property so that the sheep and the chickens are contained on one half of the property. And then our half of the property where the house is and the greenhouse and the garden and everything is, um, is blocked off. So they can't get to any of that stuff anymore. They can't come and poop on my porch. They can't come and poop on my deck furniture. Um, and it's just amazing. You guys, it is so amazing. Now I love my animals. Don't get me wrong. And I can still open up the fence and go over there. And I do every day. I've got to feed and water them, collect the eggs. And I love on the lambs, but it's just nice um, having that separation. So it's like, no, if we have company or if we're sitting around the bonfire or if we're sitting on the back deck doing school or having coffee, you don't get to come up in my space unless I want you there. So it's just been absolutely amazing. So you guys, the entire garden is mulched and beautiful, all the walkways, which was a huge stressor for Joe because every time he would mow the property and weed whack, 
he would have to do the garden. And the garden, you know, you've got to go around all the raised beds. You you know, it was just such a pain in the butt for him. And now he does not have to do that anymore. So I'm really excited to show him this surprise tomorrow. You know, I'll tell you guys, um, the moments that I miss Joe the most, I think, are in the morning because with COVID, he's been teleworking every other week. So one week he goes into the office and then one week he's working from home and I've gotten spoiled and every other week I get to have him all day, every day, and I get to have coffee with him in the mornings. And so I really, really miss my best friend. I mean, we sit over coffee and we talk about the homestead and what projects are coming up next. And we just talk about everything. And we sit on the rocking chairs and talk about it all. And I miss that time with him. And the other time is at night in bed. You guys, I have been married to Joe since I was 17. I've been with him since I was 15. And when you're with somebody that long, it's like they're literally a part of you. Like they are half of your soul, literally. So to go to bed without him and to not have him to hold, like we spoon. And it's so funny because we flip flop all night long, but we flip flop together. <laughs> so we get into bed. And I spoon Joe first and we'll lay that way for, you know, 30, 45 minutes. You know, we're fast asleep. And then every so often, like we flip and then he'll be spooning and holding me. And we just do that all night long. And I just miss his warmth and I miss his smell and I miss waking up to him. So um, definitely in the mornings and at night is when I miss him the most. You know, during the day, it's like the hustle and bustle of the day and the kids and, and everything that has to get done. So it's not as bad, but it's those quiet moments, it's those quiet moments when I get up and have coffee and Parker's still asleep um, and Joe's not there or in bed at night. You guys, I have one of the kids sleep with me. You're probably going to laugh, but I've always been like this. Even before Parker was born, when Joe would get deployed or Joe would be underway on the boat, Lexi knew that she got to sleep with mom. Um, it was just having that body next to me um, would help me sleep so much better. So this time, uh, you know, Lexi is older now and she's actually working a job where she's working graveyards. So um, Parker's been sleeping with me and I just love him so much. So um, it just helps me sleep better. I think as I get older um, and with this deployment, this small deployment we've just experienced, it's made me think about um, how deeply we love our spouse. And in a sense, you guys, isn't it almost a little scary to love somebody so much, right? Because if something ever happened to them, it's like you just realize how your life, your whole life would be shifted um, everything, eating dinner together, going on walks, sitting down, watching a show together. I mean, your whole life is integrated with your partner. So it is a little scary to be so in love with somebody. And I often think about my uh, Nampa and um, that's my grandpa. And I call him Nampa. I have since I was very little. Um, my Nana passed away uh, in 2016, in the fall of 2016. So, um, wow. So it's been five years, um, as of the time at the time of this recording and to this day, you guys, like my nanpa lives here on the property with us. He has his own little apartment, uh, you know, like bachelor pad apartment that we had built for him. And to this day, he can't even talk about her without tears filling his eyes. And, um, you know, she was the light of his life and, it's just, it really makes you think, you know, um, 
I watch him and I wonder um, how lonely it must be to go from having a spouse and a loved one and partner next to you every single day for so many years. I think they were married for over 30 years, like 35 years or something like that. Um, and then to just nothing, they're gone, right? So I just say that to say, you guys love your family well, love your husband or your wife well. Um, there's always going to be things that irritate us. There's always going to be life situations that happen that throw, throw us for a loop. That's just life. But at the end of the day, the only thing that matters is the people that we love. And that is a huge part of why I have shifted from a career woman to a stay-at-home mom and a homeschooling mom. Because at the end of the day, when I die and go to heaven, I can't take any of this with me. So not saying that it's not good to have goals and work hard for, for, for a nice house or whatever it is that you might want. But at the end of the day, the reality is that ain't going with us. And the only thing that matters is the memories that we get to make right now with our spouses and with our children. And I realized, and I've told you guys this before, how much time I lost with Lexi. Being such a hardworking mom, overnight duty, I missed out on so much time with her that I will never, ever, ever get back. And I'm trying to not do that with Parker. I'm trying to be here and I'm trying to be present in a way that I wasn't able to be with Lexi. I hated this little mini deployment of Joe being in Arizona, but at the same time, I'm a little, I'm grateful for it, you guys. I am very grateful for it um, because it was just kind of a little reminder of how much he means to me. You know, I used to listen to Pam Tillis when I was growing up and she's got that song, Shake the Sugar Tree. Have you guys heard that song? It's just talking about shaking the sugar tree. You know, you get complacent, you get comfortable, you forget to show your partner that you love them and do little things. And then you got to shake that sugar tree and wake them up and remind them, right? So this deployment was just enough to make me go, oh my gosh, I love my husband so much. <laughs> and I am so grateful for him and I'm so excited for him to come home. I feel like I'm back in high school um, or like he's coming home from boot camp, you know. Now I just have to hope the Coast Guard doesn't get it in their head to do more of these deployments with him. <laughs> he's got about a year and a half until he retires and, um, you know, I know I'm just teasing. That's kind of selfish, right? But I want him. I want him all the time. I mean, that's a good thing, right? So absence does make the heart grow fonder and it's, it's important. You know, I've I cleaned the whole house. I washed all the bedding. I've got the yard looking perfect for him so he doesn't come home and feel like he has to mow and weed eat and do all this craziness. And um, does anybody else do that? I just want him to come in and be able to take a deep breath and take a warm shower and um, take a load off. You know, he's been super busy. Traveling is stressful. My goodness, the airports with the Rona, having to wear a mask the whole dang time. Um, it's been stressful for him. So I want him to come in and just be able to relax. It's important sometimes in our marriage to shake that sugar tree, right? And give ourselves that little reminder of just how important our spouses are to us, you guys. And, you know, it's not, marriage isn't perfect. No marriage is perfect, right? And I've said this before, you could go look at the grass on the other side of the fence, but everybody is going to have issues. So you got to water the grass that you have and relish in the beauty and what you have. 
And um, I just wanted to come on tonight and encourage you guys to love on your spouses. Do those little things maybe that you haven't been doing lately. You know, we get complacent. We get lazy, okay? And I'm speaking to myself here. I've been thinking about um, a lot of things that I want to try to start doing again for Joe that I've kind of stopped doing uh, the last few years. I've I've gotten lazy and I've gotten comfortable and, um, you know, just make things a little spicy again. You know what I'm saying? Jobs get in the way and the kiddos and life gets busy. Um, so it's really important to foster that relationship, you guys, and always make time for each other because that's where it all started. Anyway, thanks for hanging out with me tonight, you guys. I hope that this show was an encouragement to you in some way. Maybe just a little nudge to uh, remind you to love on your spouse a little bit and remember those old times that you guys used to have and keep them alive because the only way that they're going to be dead is if you keep them there, right? (laughs) You know, if you want something to change, you've got to change it. Um, So I just wanted to give that little nudge and that reminder and uh, just encourage you to love on them well. If you guys aren't following me yet, on social media. You can find me at Facebook and Instagram. It's Blessed and Beautiful Homestead. Same name, keeping it simple. Um, Or you can visit me at the blog at blessedandbeautifulhomestead.com. And you can also check out my YouTube channel, which is also Blessed and Beautiful Homestead. All right, you guys, until next time, stay blessed, and I will see you on the next show.